sing, I'm free. Now I'm free to feel, free to give, I'm free to be, free to love you, free to give, free to give, I'm free to be, free to love you, free to live, free to give, I'm free to be, free to sing out. Worshiping our King. Can we help me sing this next song? This next song is called You Are Good. And that's exactly what God is. Come on, church, let's sing it out to Him. Help me sing, I want to scream. I want to scream it out from every mountain top. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. Let me sing it. I'll sing. Here we go. And I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because. You are good and I'm proud because you are good. Yes, you are good to me. And I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I shout because you are good. You are good. You're good to me. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never 
our voice in worship this morning. We remember right now, Jesus Christ. Oh, would you fix your eyes on him? Would you place your heart in his hands right now? Would you surrender it all right now? Come on, let nothing hold you back. To give me life, you set me free, you set me free. Oh, you set me free. Oh, come on, say, you set me free. Captivate our minds. We want the Holy Spirit freedom in this place. If you want that right now, just come on, lift your hands, every person in this place. Oh, He set us free to worship. We lift our hands. Come on, would you sing your own song from your heart? What it means to be set free in this place. Oh, come on, we have our families because we're set free. Oh, we have freedom. Oh, we have forgiveness. We have the love of the Lord. Come on. Would you sing in your own words? Oh, na 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 in this place.
Walking Oh 
Jesus, we worship you this morning. We bless your holy name. You are worthy to be praised, King Jesus. We give you full reign right now at this moment. Saints, if you guys can lift up your hands all across this room, we want to make room for the Spirit of God to flow through this place. We want the gifts of the Spirit to be an operation in our meetings. Holy
Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you here. We thank you for showing up. We thank you that you long to dwell with your people. We thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. So Holy Spirit, speak this morning. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, words of wisdom and knowledge, the gift of speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. If you are here and you feel the Lord is saying something to the body of Christ this morning, please feel free to share it. Hallelujah, Jesus. want to tell you that he wants to have a personal relationship with you and if you are burdened and troubled in your heart know that Jesus wants to take and lift that for you you don't have to carry it alone he is our burden bearer he is a savior for all of mankind Jesus is there anybody else we're not in a hurry this morning. set aside our agenda God and we know that you've called us to be a church to, that goes that goes into the, all the world to make disciples of all nations and God we will answer that call if you are here this morning and you want to be used by God I want you to lift up your hands and say Jesus I will go for you I will be your mouthpiece I will go to proclaim the gospel message of salvation to the lost of this world. It is not about us this morning. If you came to church thinking that it's about you, you have it all wrong. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago so that those that were destined to hell, kept in chains and bondage to the enemy, that they could be set free. And you are here because of that, but now it's time to go. It's time to go and proclaim that news to the ends of the earth. Jesus, be glorified. Jesus, be magnified.
alive. It is about you. It is about you. Lift up your voices and praise your king. Lift up your voice. Jesus, be glorified. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Woo! Jesus. We lift your name. Hallelujah. are worthy of our praise and our adoration and all of our attention God it is all about you it is about what you came to do it is about your agenda this morning God oh hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Jesus be glorified be magnified come on keep worshiping him in your own words Tell him who he is. Jesus, you are our king, our savior, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are the beginning and the end, the first and the last, from everlasting to everlasting, Jesus. You are the our El Shaddai, our ever-present hope in trouble, God. I want us this morning to prepare our hearts for communion. We think about the cross. Lord, we turn our attention to the cross and what you did in giving your life for us. You died so that we could live. And we thank you. We thank you for your blood that washes us clean, that makes us white like snow. It is not our own doing. We are not made righteous because of the things that we do on our own. It is because of the blood of Jesus that we thank you this morning. Thank him this morning if you have been made white like snow, if he has washed away your iniquities, if his righteousness has become your righteousness. We think about the cross this morning and we say thank you, Jesus. We remember you. We remember your sacrifice. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you've taken our sins, our sorrows, and our sicknesses. And because you live, we can face tomorrow. Hallelujah, Jesus. In Luke chapter 22, verse 17, it says, After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to pray and bless the communion. But before I do, I just want to direct this side. You could just follow the ushers and come up to the front and partake with us. And you could go back to your seats and take it with your family and just spend time between you and the Lord thinking about what he's done for us. Lord, we thank you. We bless this communion. We pray, Lord God, that we would see you in all that we do, that we would see the lost in all that we do, that we would know that it's not just about coming to a building, 
but it's about preaching the gospel to those that don't know you. And we remember what you did for us today, that you saved us, that you sent somebody in our path. You sent somebody to our parents, to our siblings, to tell, to the, to tell them about Jesus. And that's why today we can stand here and say we are saved we have been saved by the blood of Jesus, but I pray that it will not stop there, but that you would burden our hearts for the lost, that you would burden us for those that don't know you. We thank you for the cross, that it has the power to set people free. Bless this time of communion, God, as we remember you and what you came to do in us and through us. We thank you and we bless your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. And what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Sing nothing but the blood Oh, and what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Say nothing but the blood. Just receive this communion right now with your family or friends. Just receive it as an act of worship today.
As you've received the communion, would you just stand so we know that you've finished? And let's just worship to this song right now. Nothing but the blood. Come on, let's sing it again. Oh, precious. We worship you today, God. For what you've done for us, God, no other God. Makes me white as snow. Jesus, you are awesome today. No other fountain, no. Nothing but. Come on, let's just sing that part again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but. Of Jesus. Nothing but. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, one more time we say. Blood of Jesus. If you believe in the blood of Jesus, can you give him a hand clap of praise today? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We're in your house. We're remembering you. And Lord, we ask you to continue to move in this time, God. That you would change our lives. That we would never be the same again. That we would go from here, God, to in impact, God, this city and the nations of the world. As a matter of fact, as I sense God just moving, can we bring the flags of the nations up here? And we're just going to lift up the nations to the Lord today with the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over these nations. And we're going to pray today that God will saturate them with his gospel because we know it's not just for us but it's for the nations of the world. So as these people come with flags, just start to stretch your hands towards a flag that you can identify with and just start to pray. Come on to the altar and face the people with the flags, please. And let's just start to pray for these nations. Let's believe God for these nations right now. Right now, let's pray. God, we just want this to go to every part of the world, God. Come on, just sing nothing but the blood as we're praying right now. Nothing but the blood over Africa. Nothing but the blood right now over China. Nothing but the blood over the Muslim nations, Pakistan, Europe. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood over Mexico, Puerto Rico, Central, South America, Guatemala, Honduras. Nothing. Come on, saints, let's pray. Nothing but the blood over Europe. Jesus. Nothing but the blood. Come on, 30 more seconds. Nothing but the blood over these nations. Southeast Asia, India, Bangladesh, Malaysia. Tibet, Nepal, right now. Nothing but the blood over the east. Come on, Mongolia, China, Japan, Thailand, Vietnam, Laos. Nothing but the blood over North America. Jesus, Canada. Nothing but the blood. God over the islands, Lord. The Caribbean, God. Hallelujah. Jesus. Nothing. But 
Come on, just the voices and the drums. Nothing but the blood. Come on. Proclaim it as an army today. Can we put the drums up a little bit? Come on, sing it out. Nothing. Yes, God. Nothing. Nothing but one more time and then we're going to shout out to God. We say nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. We say nothing. If you believe the nations belong to God, shout out with the voice of victory and triumph. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. Come on, praise him as if it's already done. Right now, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. They belong to you, God. They belong to you, God. Our God is the God of the nations. Every nation, tribe, and tongue is around your throne. Praising you, oh God. Woo! Jesus. 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 Jesus, oh God, we take this serious, and we thank you that here in Chicago, you are reaching the world. I just received, God, Facebook message from a brother from Armenia who's saying he's using our discipleship materials. God, we lift these nations to you. $600 in books are going to Pakistan right now. So the discipleship books with the Islamic book will be passed out to the people. God, this is what you've given us to do. And Lord, we now pray for this city. A city of 8 million, God, that has a church on every corner. And God, a place where people's hearts have become hard. And Lord, we pray that here you will set our hearts on fire. That God, before we judge our neighbor, our co-worker, our friend, another pastor, another church, you will set us on fire, a blaze for you, God. Like John Wesley, Lord, that you will set us on fire so the world can watch us burn. And we ask you to use every one of us, every one of us, Lord. Take away our fears, take away our doubts, the sin that condemns us and holds us back from fulfilling your purpose. And let us live the life that you called us to live, a life of discipleship. Lord, we thank you for every person here. Let it continue in their lives as we continue in this service. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, can I hear an amen? Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on in the house of God. We want to welcome you to Metro Praise. Would you stay standing as we play this welcome video? Greet two or three people and tell them that you love Jesus today. Would you do that? Thank you so much. Welcome to Metro Praise.
to church this morning. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Praise God. It's so good to have you here at Metro Praise. We're praising his name. Come on. I just am so honored today. I, I know she probably doesn't want me to embarrass her, but I just met Joanne right here who was born in New Orleans. Joanne, would you raise your hand and can we just welcome you? She's a Chicago, you know, Chicago and living here, but I just found out she was born in New Orleans, y'all. So I got to talk about Nolan's baby. So I think it's a God thing. Yeah, we got somebody else from the south here just letting me know. Amen. We got some people in New Orleans as well. That's right. And Lafayette, let's give it up for another person from the south. It's like we're bringing them here. Amen. It's like they come to Chicago and they're like, where can I find a southern preacher? Metro praise. Amen, amen. So it's so good to have you here no matter where you're from. If you're from across the street or from down the road, we love you here. This is what our church is all about. We have a Sunday service at uh, 10 a.m. We have an old slide up here. We used to have two services until we got boom shaka laka and God just said make one radical service and that's where we're at. We also have a Wednesday encounter night, which is time of prayer and Bible study every Wednesday. And then we do Royal Rangers and Impact for the children. So if you have children K through 5, we do Royal Rangers and Impact. It's like Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. And then we pray adults do the things right here in this sanctuary and go after God. And the cool thing about Wednesdays is the last Wednesday of every month is a family fun night. So you can bring your friends or you can do something exciting here. Uh, this family fun night is going to be movie night last Wednesday in May. And then Elevate. Amen. Elevate every Friday at 7.30. This is the illustrious, the one, the only, Pastor Adam Nieves of Elevate. Can we give it up for Adam right here? Come on. Adam, you have some good things to share with us. What's going on with Elevate? May 28th, the end of the month, we are having a movie night in Elevate. So it's going to start at 7 o'clock, May 28th. Please remember, for all the youth, invite your friends. It's going to happen right away. It's going to start. We're not giving away. 7 o'clock, movie starts. Amen. Amen. So come and show up. Blow it up. You got to show up so Jesus can blow up. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, let's go to the next slide if we can. Armando, appreciate you today. This is what I was talking about right here. It's for the family fun night, so make sure you guys come on out. Our vision is loving God, loving people. Can everybody say love God? And then look at your neighbor and say love people like you. You see, that's what we're here to do is love God and love people. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How many love yourself? Can I see you raise your hand? Come on, don't hate yourself. We don't want you to be cutting on yourself or anything. You know what I'm talking about? And the Bible says if you love others as yourself, that should be a good thing. And a lot of times people don't understand how to love themselves. That's why, you know, they don't know how to treat other people. But if you know God made you special, then you'll treat other people special. Are you all with me? So it's nothing wrong with loving yourself. You just need to love others as much as you love yourself. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And so that's our vision. That is our focus. Can everybody say focus? Amen. I have glasses to help me focus on what's ahead of me. This is what we focus on, what's ahead of us, to love God and to love people. And then everybody goes, strategy. Thank you. How are we going to love people? What is that going to look like? Are we going to give free ponies and pinatas? Is that what we're going to do to show love? Are we going to just have chicken dinners after church? Are we going to have choirs? How are we going to show we love you and we love God? How are we going to do that? We're going to connect you to the cross. Everybody say connect. Thank you. And then we're going to mentor you with the cross. Everybody say mentor. And then somebody say send. 
thank you. And we're going to send you with the cross. That's how we're going to show you to love God and love people. And the best way to connect to the cross is through our six adult life groups and our one youth life group. So can anybody get here excited about life groups today? Can I hear you make some noise? Amen. This is the most exciting way to fall in love with Jesus and others at this church. It starts with connect. Can I hear you say connect? Thank you. So, Pastor, what do I do after today? You find a life group. And there's some that meet Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. There's some that meet Thursdays and Fridays. You pick one that meets at a time convenient for you. The life group is a time of home Bible study, fun, food, and fellowship. So you're going to get together, study God's Word, have fun, food, and fellowship. Does anybody like to have fun? Does anybody like to eat food? Does anybody like to have fellowship? There you go. So you need to come out and then somebody say mentor. Thank you. While you are connecting to the life group, you can begin to ask a life group leader and you could say, would you take me through the 101 discipleship book one-on-one? -on -one? Our church has over 50 people right now going through this book one hour every week. That means there are 50 hours of individual discipleship happening in this church right now. Can I hear an amen? You don't have to get lost in a church. You can simply say to your life group leader, would you do this with me one-on-one? -on -one? The basics of Christianity will be explained to you. You will be ta uh, taught and learned in how to pray, read your Bible, how to witness, how to get over your sin, live by faith, whoop the devil, be a roof breaker, history maker, and a world changer for Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And if you don't want to do this, there's 10 more churches down the road that don't want to do it either. And you can find one of them. Amen. But this is for everybody here who says, I want to be a disciple of Christ. Can I hear amen? People are like, Pastor, you tell this to people all the time and I see them don't show up. Amen. At least they listen to one thing that I said. Because they're giving up their seat to another disciple to come. Amen. They're giving up their parking spot so another disciple can have a place to park. Amen. The second step of discipleship is the 201 book. After you graduate this one-on-one, -on -one, seven weeks, you can join this and let this be the greatest fundamental year of your life. It meets Sunday morning as a 201 Discipleship Sunday School class. 30 students in this right now. And the question is for you, do you want to be a disciple that makes disciples? This is the process. So we connect you to the cross through life groups. We mentor you in discipleship, and then we send you out. Everybody go send to change the world for Jesus because we believe we could see 100,000 disciples here with 50 churches and 500 around the world. We have two here now, 48 more to go, 300 around the world, 200 more to go. If you believe we could do it, somebody say, let's do it. Praise God, somebody. Now I want to talk to you about finances here. This is what we do the first of every month. We want to let you know where the monies are going in the church. We discovered this early on in our church as a new church that it was good for people to know where our finances go. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. Isn't it good to know where their finances are going? So we do this the first of every month. So here is your April report for 2012. Tithes and offering, we brought in $10,081.03. Mission, $738 dollars 36 cents building fund ten thousand seventy six dollars for a grand total of twenty thousand eight hundred and ninety five dollars and thirty five cents thirty nine amen See, we give God praise for that because that is important to us. That's, that's why we're not meeting in a shack today, you know, outside, uh, you know, outside in the rain. We are in a great building, a great location. A lot of times people ask, where does all that money go? Well, let me just share with you. That money goes to our rent and our expenses. It's $8,000 a month just to rent this place right here. 
Just $8,000 a month. You know how many electrical bills we have here? Four electrical bills because there's four separate storefronts in one. Four gas bills. So we spent $10,081.03. Missions, we spent $1,130 because you can remember last, the month before, uh, what comes before April? March. March we had an excess, so we gave more, and that's why it evens out. And then the building fund, $8,388. We put signage up here, new couches and a TV in both the children room and, and the, the fellowship. Room. Does everybody like the new things we've been doing? Can I hear an amen? Amen. So that's where it's been going, and the rest of it's going to pay off debt. So we spent $19,599.41. Let's give it up for spending money for Jesus. Amen. And while your hands are clapping, that is a plus of $1,295.98. Amen. Amen. We did it one month at a time. We do it. Come on. One month at a time, God is paying the bills here. Despite all the changes, people coming and going, the church is the largest it's ever been, more disciples than it's ever been, more churches than it's ever been, more money coming in and being spent than it's ever been. Why? Because God is building his church, and he said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Amen? He's not out to prove a personal vendetta, to close a church because of somebody's offense. You know, Jesus looks at a church and says, hey, you think I'm going to close Metro Praise down because you got offended with them? Metro Praise is one of the only ones doing what I told them to do. It's like I could just see Jesus going, cut him a little slack. You know what I'm saying? You got a crazy Italian pastor. Give him a break. I don't know. I just hear the Lord say that to me. Grace and mercy. Peace. But we are doing it, and I just want to encourage you for the month of May to join with us because this is where we're at. We need in excess of what we're bringing in now to continue to operate how we're operating. And what I mean by an excess is if you looked at our uh, expenditure and to what we brought in, we brought in 10000 and then we spent, uh, excuse me, we spent the full 10000 And what that means is, is that every time the general fund comes in, it always immediately goes out. And we have to raise extra shekels to compensate. And that's why we did a big building uh, pledge uh, for the last three months. But on an average, we need about an extra 2500 on top of tithes and offerings. And so the way we ask you to do this is the Bible talks about a tithe being 10% of our total income. Can everybody say a tithe? Thank you. So we believe a tithe belongs to the Lord. And we believe that tithe should cover everything we do here. But right now, there's just not enough either people having the money or the people giving their tithe. We don't know which one it is, but the bottom line is when the tithes come in, it's not enough to cover everything else we do in the building. So that's why on our offering envelope, and Eliberto, if I could please see one offering envelope, I'll show it to everybody. That's why we're asking you for this month, if you could, to give after your tithe to the building fund. If 50 people gave $50 extra up, uh, 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 you know, over their tithe, we would have an extra $250, uh, $2,500. And that would help us out. And if you're saying, man, I can't give an extra 50 a month, then please give whatever you can above your tithe and offering as we continue to believe God that we can break the curse of poverty in this church and in our nation. Amen? We want to set the example here and in the nation. And then the second thing is missions. We are right about at this number right now, so we're still asking everybody to give $25 to missions. So if 50 people give $25 to missions, that's $1,250, and where do our 
missions money goes. It goes to our books and materials. And right now we are in India, three places in India, New Delhi, that's in the, the top of India, at the bottom in Vijayawada, and at the southern part in Talmud State. We have a total of 150 churches in India together, all together in those three locations. It goes 40, 40, and 80. Are you all listening to me? Amen. So that's a great nation. Then we support Pakistan. Pakistan has 80 churches. Nepal has 15. The Philippines has about a dozen. Then Nigeria has five. So every month we give them money for books. Simply said, no condo bondo. Everybody say, no condo bondo. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Say, no condo bondo. Amen. If you don't want to give, that's okay. I just want to share with you where we're at, though, so you can help us. When you give a tithe, that's 10% of your income. The Bible says that is his. You're giving back to God what is God's. So when I have income come in, let's say I get paid for teaching $300 per class when I teach, uh, uh, $600 a month when I teach, but I get paid uh, twice a, a month, and I teach three classes. So I get a check of $900. There's, there's my income. What I do is I give God that tithe right off top. $90 belongs to the Lord. I have $820 left. Are you all listening to me? I'm just sharing with you my heart. You don't have to share with me yours. I mean your, your, your budget. I'm just sharing with you mine as an example. After that $820, I, like you, have to do everything else in my family, okay? And at that point, I have to make, you know, decisions. What goes to what bills? What can we afford? What new shoes can mama get? And different things like that. But what I always do with that 820 is I then say, God, what do you want me to offer back to you? That's where I, I come from in my heart. That's how I do it. And that's what the Bible calls an offering. And, and that's mostly what, what people do when they give an offering. Now, in our church, what this would mean for me is I would take an additional 50 for building, 75 for missions, uh, 25 for missions, for a total of 75 out of that 820. That's a lot of money. So what I do is I, I divide it up over two times when I get paid. I give 25 to the building, 15 to the missions, and then I'll do that again. That's how I personally do it. Now, some of you say, Pastor, after I give my tithe, I need to hold on to every penny and squeeze it till it becomes a nickel because I just, I'm struggling right now. That is okay. Just give what you can give. Don't stop giving your tithe because then the Bible says you come under a curse and you don't want to be asking God to bless what he said he would curse. Are you listening? But I do want to give you a promise. And this is not from my words. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And there's many more scriptures like this that one of the ways we break poverty, we break lack is by giving even in our time of need. And you look at that with the widow. She gives all that she has. You look at the woman, the, the other widow that feeds the prophet first, and then God blesses her. And so I just want to encourage you, sow good seed into good ground and expect a good harvest. Can I hear an amen? Would you stand to your feet as we prepare to give? As you're standing, I want to share with you a great testimony coming from the nations, like I said, 300 churches right now, one of the great testimonies that we're hearing is that God is raising up new pastors continually and that they are sending out new churches. We have just heard that there are new churches now in Delhi, that region, and there are new churches now being planted in um, the Philippines. And then this week, Lord willing, on Facebook, you will see me talking about the building that they're building in Nepal to grow their church. And this is the reason. Nepal is underground. They can't even legally have a church. It's, it's illegal. 
And so we're going to talk about others praying for them and getting behind them. So God is just moving. Please keep them in your prayers. And let's pray today. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. Lord, we know that we work work hard for all the finances that you give us. We know that, and you know that. And Lord, you don't ask us to throw the money to the wind. You ask us to give it prayerfully to your kingdom. And Lord, here at Metro Praise, we have done all that we know to do to be people of integrity and honesty with finances. And so, Lord, we ask that your people would trust us today, that they would give it unto you here and trust that, God, we will spend it on these good things that we've discussed. Lord, I ask that you'll bless them to be a blessing to their family and to the people around them. Lord, for those that are looking for jobs, I pray that you'll provide jobs. Those that are being educated in college, give them grants and loans, oh Lord. Those considering starting business or going into new positions, favor them, oh God. Bless your people, Lord. And Lord, we also pray for the nations now who we support, God. There is always an abundance of need, so much more than we, Metro Praise, could ever do for them. But God, you're able. You're able to help Pastor Matt have build a $20,000 building in an illegal country. You're able, God, to help Pastor Edward disperse a thousand books. We only gave him half the money for those books. You're able to give the other half. You're able to provide for Pastor Amit in India two more motorcycles to give to his traveling pastors to oversee those 40 churches. God, we just lift them up, and beyond our finances, we give our prayers. And Lord, we disclaim today the promise that you said, when we give, it's given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That is mine in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's say what Paul said on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing as you give? Thank you so much. God bless you. As you're uh, making your way back to your seat, I'm going to ask that Ishmael Lopez would share a testimony about his wonderful wife and what God did in her life. Thank you, Joe. Man, God is so good, amen? He is so awesome. And when we start to doubt or even try to figure anything else out by ourselves, he just shows up, amen? Um, last week, I went to Joe's office, and I'm like, brother, please pray. I covet your prayers for... Uh, for my wife, Robin, who's in the back probably with the children. I don't see her out here. Um, she had an MRI, and they found a mass on her right breast, okay? Well, for those of you that don't know, her mother died when she was 11 of breast cancer. So doctors are really watching her, and they're really, you know, they're just concerned, as they should be. So they checked the MRI and they found this and they're like, well, we have to go in there. We have to have a, a biopsy. All right. And it was a MRI guided biopsy. I won't get into details, but they have to go in there and they have to scoop out 
uh, you know, the, the mass along with tissue and all this stuff. And we were just praying. And we asked Joe and Nancy and our closest friends just to pray for us and, uh, and just to that, that the Lord would just, you know, if it's something, just to heal it. Amen. And if it's not, just amen. Amen. <laughs> to find out that it's a good report. And the Lord showed up. And it was a good report, amen. It was, it was nothing. There was no cancer. There was nothing going on there that we have to worry about right now. And I just give all the glory to God and to his, his mercy and his healing hand. And I know that the blood of Jesus heals all, all sicknesses and infirmities. And I want to encourage you guys, amen. If you are under a, a, a sickness right now, the Bible says that you can be healed in his name. By his stripes you are healed. Just proclaim it, and we, we agree with you in faith. Amen? So that was my testimony. God bless you guys. Thank you, my brother. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. That's awesome. And if you need prayer today for healing or for anything, these altar workers will be up here for you. Will you open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5? We are finishing up the series, Closer to God. And uh, last week was the last week that I had a message on the flyer. So after Easter, we always like to give flyers to people to come out. And the series was called Closer to God. And there was three ways to get closer to God. Number one was how to pray. Uh, no, excuse me, how to read your Bible. And then the second one was how to pray and worship. And the third one was how to be a disciple. And that's where the lessons end uh, for the series. But as I was praying this week, I felt the Lord to have me keep going in that series to share with you how to get closer to God. And one of the greatest ways to get closer to God is to obey his commandments. Can everybody say obey his commands? Now, you don't have to turn there with me, but the Bible mentions in the book of John that Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I have commanded. So today, another way to get closer to God is to obey his commands. So that's the title of today's message, to obey his commands. Now, when we look at the commands of Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus speaking forth his uh, ordinances of faith, the greatest place we can go to first is in the the book of Matthew, and it's known as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, known as the Sermon on the Mount, is the summarization of all of Jesus' commands. When Jesus went to this mountain to teach, the disciples came to him. And last week's message was on discipleship. And today I want to read this to you as a disciple. Are you all with me? Amen. So let's go to chapter 5, verse 1. Now when he, meaning Jesus, saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His what? Come on, say it one more time. His, thank you, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying. Before I get into this, I just want to preface this one more time. Jesus sat down. Who came to Jesus? Okay, so here I am, here's a chair, and I'm not trying to say I'm the son of God, but I'm just making an example. If I sit down and start preaching and Metro praise, who should be here to come listen? Look at your neighbor and say, are you a disciple? 
Come on, somebody. Are you a disciple? Don't be shy right now. That's what I want you to know because if you don't want to give it all to Jesus, if all you want is just a bless me message on Sunday to make you feel better and me to tell you every day can be a Friday and you can have your best life now, this is not a self-help message. This is about following Jesus. Disciple, mathetia in the Greek, means a committed follower or a student. The way we look at it in the perspective of the East is Jesus is my sensei. Everybody go, Jesus is my sensei. That means if Jesus says, do, do knuckle push-ups, start whacking a, 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 a post, you're going to do what Jesus says. If he says, wax on, wax off, you're going to do it. So Jesus began to teach. Disciples began to come, and they might have looked just like you with notepapers and their scrolls. They might have came eager to learn, and I want to believe you're eager to learn. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now, this is what he begins to teach them. What is now known in this section of the Sermon on the Mount is the Beatitudes. Beatitudes is Latin for for the blessings. God wants you to be blessed. That's how he starts it off. Some may say the blessings and the beatitudes are attitudes to be blessed. That's where we get the word. It's the blessings in the spirit that come from the right attitude. Here we go. Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you everybody say blessed amen if you want to be blessed you came to the right place but you come as a disciple what that means is God's blessings aren't his first priority God's kingdom is his first priority see there's a difference see a lot of times in churches they do what's called bait and switch there's a lot of good things in the Bible for you to be drawn here to come for but if I don't tell you the truth behind those things, I'm really pulling a bait and switch. Let me give you an example. I remember one time I was walking through the airport, and somebody said, hey, you want a free T-shirt? Now, most people, you know, would want something free, and I'm no different. So when they said, hey, do you want a free T-shirt? Yeah, I'd like to have a free T-shirt. So that was the draw. I, I went right over there like, like a bug to the lights. Like, I just went right there because I like T-shirts, and I want a free one. But when I went over there, you guys probably already have an idea of what they're going to do. When I went over there, they had a scheme, and they had something I had to do to get that free T-shirt. Now, for this situation, it was sign up for a credit card. So if I sign up for the credit card, I got the free T-shirt. Somebody say bait and switch. And I believe in the church many times we do the same things. We say, who wants to go to heaven? Who wants to go to heaven? And, of course, people walking by, they go, oh, yes, I want to go to heaven. It's not like I want to go to hell. It's not like anybody woke up this morning going, I want to go to the lake of fire and torment, okay? Nobody really does that unless they're crazy. Now, you know, we come to church and we say, who wants to go to heaven? Everybody's like, it's me, yeah. If you want to go to heaven, say, yeah. And everybody's going to say, yeah. And because they all want to go to heaven, somebody say, yeah. It's kind of like a little John with the preacher, yeah. Okay, 
So the, do you want to go to heaven? Yes, I want to go to heaven. And then, and then we, we get them to church, and then we switch it. Well, now you got to repent, and now you have to do this, and now you have to do this. And sometimes people feel tricked, okay? Or another thing is, do you want a blessed family? And, and everybody goes, yes, I want a blessed family. And then you come to church, and all of a sudden you find out you've got to stop sleeping with the woman you're not married with. You've got to raise your children in obedience and admonition to God. That means you teach them the commands. You've got to shut off the TV and have devotional spank their butt if they get bad. And so I love what Jesus did. Jesus always started off with the hard part first and then gave you the good part, meaning he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. See, that's how Jesus talked. Jesus said, you've got to repent, but it's going to get good after you do, baby. Come on. You see, the Bible is teaching us that there are blessings in the kingdom, but these are to his disciples. And so what did these disciples have to do to be sitting there to hear that message? They already had to deny themselves, take up their cross, follow Jesus. They had to be willing to forsake all, put down their fishing nets, and follow Jesus. So now you got guys that aren't with their family, aren't on the job fishing anymore. They've forsaken all. They've been put out the synagogue. They're being persecuted. And Jesus says, why don't you come? Come around here. I'm going to tell you how to be blessed now. You've given up a lot for me. You've been suffering for me. You've been paying a price for me. I'm going to tell you as a disciple, there are blessings in the kingdom of God for you right now. And so it's not that the kingdom of God is just a, 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 an arduous journey that is always filled with suffering. Woe is me. I'm carrying my cross. I'm a disciple. I hate my mother and my father for Jesus' sake. No, in the kingdom of God, disciples who put God's kingdom first, Matthew 6, as we'll get into, all of these things are added unto them. There's a blessing for being a disciple. The word blessed literally means happy. Happy. That's what it's saying here. God bless you. May God make you happy. That's what you're really telling somebody. When the word blessed comes before the injunctions of the commands, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who do this, what it's saying is happy are those who do this. Content. And it can even go, it can even go a little bit deeper into an inner peace, into an inner sense of happiness. But when you just look at the literal word blessed, it simply means happy. Now, we can also make other inferences, not literal to the word in the Greek or the Hebrew, because these both words are found in Hebrew, like in Psalms chapter 1, blessed is the man who does not dwell in the counsel of the wicked and the ungodly, sit in the seat of the mocker, but his light is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yield his fruit in season. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Are you listening to me? So in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, the word blessing infers empowered to prosper somebody say empowered to prosper somebody say i've got the power amen so when god blesses you he wants to make you happy inwardly and outwardly and he wants to empower you to prosper there's your definition of blessed he wants you to be happy inwardly and outwardly and he wants you empowered to prosper so when you read these uh, commands that he's given you, he is doing it for your well-being. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What he is saying is, happy are those on the inside and out, empowered to prosper, those who are poor in their spirit. That's, that's the power behind that word blessed. And if you can't remember empowered to prosper and inward happiness and outward, just say happy. 
Come on, somebody say happy. Say he puts a pep in my step. Amen. He puts a pep in your step. He makes you happy. Jesus should make you smile. Is there anybody smiling today? I know it seems corny, but it's a pep in your step. You're smiling. You're happy. Okay, let's go through these today. I'm going to give you the Beatitudes, the ways to be blessed, to be happy, empowered, to prosper. I'm going to show them to you very clearly as Jesus taught them. First, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit, what he's talking about is an inward poverty of your spirit. So your spirit is your inner man. You are a body and a soul and a spirit. Your spirit is what gives you life and existence. Your soul is what gives you your mind, will, and emotions, your personality, and your body, the five senses, is in which you live here on planet earth because this is a physical planet. So you are a spirit and soul, an eternal being with a personality. See, we're all spirits, and we've all been given the same spirit to live by God, but not all of us have the same soul. Are you listening to me? So we all have different personalities. We all have bodies, but we all don't have the same body, okay? So here is the idea. When God is, Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, he is saying, blessed are those who recognize their inward poverty spiritually. Now, why would God say it's good to know you're broke? Because that's what he's saying. Blessed are the broke in spirit. The reason why he says that's a happy thing is because that's the step that you need to take before the kingdom of God is yours. You see, if you know you're broke in spirit, you're going to receive the kingdom of heaven. It is the truly bankrupt, broke folk that get born again. When you think you got it, you can never receive anything new. If you already think you're okay, you can't be born again because you don't think you need to be born again. I'm doing just fine the way I am. See, born again, John chapter 3, verse 3, talks about us being born once with a physical body and a soul that is now corrupted and a spiritual nature that has been affected by that corruption. So Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 3, you must be born again in that inward spirit, renovating your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions, who you are, to see the kingdom of God. And then also in Corinthians says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So the new birth is not just a renovation of who you are. The new birth is an absolutely new you on the inside. It's never existed. It's never messed up. It never slept with so-and-so and did that crime with you-know-who. It never did any of that jacked-up stuff. When you get born again, you are created in the righteousness of God. And the first step to that is recognizing you don't have it. You as broke as a joke when it comes to your spirituality. Now, religions, you might think, well, religions all have a different way to God. And this is the parting that we have with all the other religions. See, Islam, and we just had an Islamic debate here Thursday, Islam teaches that man is fundamentally good and that out of man's goodness, he can choose good as he goes through life. And at the end of his life, he will face judgment in front of God, Allah, and there will be scales. And if his, his good will be put on one side and his bad will be put on another side, and if the man's good outweighs the bad, he gets to go 
to paradise. That is judgment for a Muslim. So if you even ask a Muslim today, are you sure that you get to go to paradise? They are not sure of it. Uh, just a side note, the only sure salvation that is found in Islam is the one who is a martyr. They are promised beyond the, the scales that they know for sure they're going to heaven. Hence the reason it's so appealing to so many poor Muslims is they say, hey, why go to the judgment seat and have the scales? Let me blow myself up. I know I get to go there. That's one of the reasons why it's so appealing to them, okay? Now, we sometimes take some of this borrowed theology from pagan religions, and we put it into Christianity, that man is born somewhat good, that man can renovate himself by just changing behaviors. And religion is just a tool to help man change behaviors. So some people may come here or to another church, and they'll say, I'm genuinely good. I'm a genuinely good person. Most of my life is good. Most of what I do is good, and therefore the little bit that I don't do that's good. Maybe lose my temper, maybe lust after another woman. I just need the Bible to help renovate me, just repaint the room and maybe redo my kitchen, but my overall house is okay. See, those people don't get the kingdom of God because they're not saying they're broke. They're not saying they're poor spiritually. They're, they're saying they're middle class spiritually. Now, they're not as prideful as others who just say, I'm okay, I'm so rich, I don't need nobody. No, but they're right there in the middle. I'm middle class spiritual. I'm not prideful like all those crazy folks, and I'm not bad like them. I'm just right here in the middle. The Bible doesn't say, blessed are the middle class in spirit, for they get the kingdom of God. It says, blessed are the bankrupt, the broke people in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen? Will you turn with me to Romans chapter 3? As I'm looking at the time, wondering where is it going, how in the world am I still on number one? How did that happen? Praise God. I'm glad you're here till three in the afternoon. Amen. That's why we had to go to one service. We had to see who the real Bible studiers were. Amen. People sneaking around go, well, I'll come to first service because he's got to end at 1130. Well, welcome to church, baby. Amen. Amen. No, I'm glad you're here. I don't want to overdo it, but I do feel like I got to preach a little bit. Is that okay? Amen. Romans chapter 3. If you're in Romans chapter 3, can you say I'm there? These could absolutely be a message in themselves, obviously. We'll see how, we can, how far we can go. But look at Romans chapter 3, verse 9, and look at the, uh, the, the way Paul describes who mankind is. It's, you know, Look at it, and as we read it, ask yourself, is Paul describing a middle class that most of us are pretty good, and every now and then we just do bad stuff? As we read this, let's see what Paul says. What shall we then conclude? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. So at this point, the Jews, the people who had kept the, the commands of God, were trying to say they were better than the Gentiles who were out there being pagans. And so they were saying, you know, we're pretty good at this. And that's why in John chapter 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, a Jewish rabbi, you have to be born again. And Paul is saying, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew and you've been going to church on Sabbath your whole life, or you're a Gentile and you've been going to pagan festivals, everybody is under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. Hello, somebody. Have you got your spiritual bank report yet? You see, without God, this is your spiritual bank account right now. You don't got a million dollars and you don't have 10,000. You aren't rich and you're not middle class. According to God spiritually, this is your bank account. You ain't got nothing in it. Verse 12, all have turned away. They've become altogether worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. 
Going back now to Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Do you see yourself right now being a somewhat good person that just needs to work on some of the bad? Or do you recognize yourself as a bad person that needs to be born again to become good? Happy are those who are broken spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And it's not just the people who go, oh, yeah, I'm a terrible person. I murder, I steal, and I just stole something last night, but I know I'm going to heaven. No, it's the people who are broken their spirit and do something about it. That's what it's inferencing. It's inferencing when you know you're broke, you're going to go to the one you owe the debt to, and you're going to make it right. And that's what the Bible calls repentance. So when you see your need for Christ and his righteousness, you then can say, God, I don't have it. I don't don't even have a penny of righteousness as Isaiah said all the good things I thought I've done have become filthy rags in your sight so Lord I know I'm broken my spirit but I repent of these sins I call on your name the blood of the cross washes me clean and I receive the kingdom of God in all the riches of heaven because you said I don't have to be Paul no more <laughs> I get excited when I preach like that. You don't have to be poor no more. You don't need to be spiritually poor after you receive the kingdom of heaven. Some people take this scripture now to go into their Christianity. Know that after this part, you have been blessed with all the spiritual blessings of heaven. Ephesians said, you are given everything you need to prosper already. So this is talking to the person here today that thinks that they are good enough for God. God says, you're not going to get the kingdom of God that way. You've got to come to him admitting your sin, admitting that you've not been righteous to his standards, and admitting that only he can save you. So Jesus says, blessed, empowered to prosper, happy are those who recognize their spiritual need for him. For theirs is the basilelia, the kingdom in Greek, the act of rule and reign of God in heaven. They get the kingdom of God in their hearts. Does it just happen when they die? No, it starts right now. They ask Jesus, where is the kingdom? He said, it is nigh you even in your heart. So today, the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Christ, the riches of heaven, the glories to come are being put into my spirit and your spirit even right now. Can I hear an amen? That's why you can pray and receive an answer to prayer. That's why you can ask God to bless you, you and your children and your children's children, because you are in a covenant relationship with God. Amen. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This sounds very simple, but for those today, many don't understand what this means. Is it just talking about a crying for any old reason? No, this crying that it's talking about is the crying mentioned, and we don't have to turn there for sake of time, in 2 Corinthians 7.10 that says, For godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. He's building right off the point he said before because you're saying, oh, God, I am broke as a joke, and it just breaks my heart. And you start crying, and God says, blessed are you who are mourning about that spiritual poverty because you will be comforted. Write it down, 2 Corinthians 7, 2 Corinthians seven ten. for godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. Without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. 
So he's not just saying every time you cry, you're going to feel better because many of you know you have cried and you haven't felt better. But with Christ, that crying that you have that leads to a comfort is a crying over your sin and a repentance. Many people say to me, Pastor, I know I've been forgiven, and that's why I can keep sinning, because when I keep sinning, I know I can be forgiven. My friends, you have not been forgiven, because true forgiveness comes through godly sorrow. Godly sorrow, without having it in repentance, it's not repentance at all. It's just you trying to play God like a schmuck, like God don't know what you're really thinking on the inside. Will I go home after I sleep with the person I'm married to, not married to, and every time after we do, I just say, Lord, forgive me. And then in your heart, you plan on doing it again? And then in your heart, you plan on coming to church and getting a feel-good tickle? And then you, you don't think God understands that? You, don't, you think God is smarter than a schmuck on the road? Could you do that to a drug dealer? Could you do that to a pimp? Well, I'll pay you next. Well, I'll pay you next. Well, you keep doing that to a pimp, you're going to get pimp slapped. Hello, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, don't get pimp slapped. You don't want to get pimp slapped. You keep telling you keep telling criminals that story, they won't even buy it. But yet we go to Jesus and we treat him worse than that. Like the man who created you knows your inner thoughts, doesn't know you're playing him. What, angels, what do I hear? Them asking me to forgive them. But they're still laying in the same bed with the person they just slept with. Lord, they're asking me to forgive them of the pornography they just looked at, but they still got the account. They just renewed it. God, they're asking me to forgive them for this and for that, but they still got the Michelob in the, in the, in the refrigerator. It's not saying that we have to earn our salvation, that you have to prove to God. No, but what it's saying is repentance has to be genuine. When I did come to Christ, I was just as jacked up as everybody. Drugs were in my pocket. I had the keys to a house of a woman I wasn't married to. That's where I was living. I did say my repentance with those things. But as tears were coming down my eyes, drugs started going in the toilet. Keys started coming off the, the keychain. Are you all listening to me? And that's what the Bible is talking about is that godly sorrow. When you see your sin is what put Christ on the cross and you see it as the unrighteousness and wickedness that it is, it breaks your heart and you come before God and you mourn and you grieve. And God says, now there's life and there's healing and there's freedom and so when people say to me why don't I feel forgiven well then maybe you need to work on your repentance because repentance the Bible says leaves no regret true repentance a lot of times we walk away with condemnation and the devil wants you to walk around with this you know this bondage over you God will never forgive you God will never forgive you. that's another lie of the devil once you pray once you've wept before his presence you've grieved for your sin you need to speak the word of God I am forgiven I am made holy I'm perfected in Christ and I will live free from this sin so blessed are those who mourn and grieve because they will be comforted has anybody here ever been comforted by the hand of God in repentance? Has Christ ever come to you in those times of repentance and said, I forgive you? Like the woman caught in adultery, he said, I forgive you. But the very next words he spoke to her were, now go and sin no more. And so I know Jesus will forgive me. 1 John chapter 2, 1 through 2 says, I write you these things, dear children, that you do not sin. 
And so the command first is we don't sin. But then he continues, he says, and if you do sin, we have one who speaks to the Father on our behalf, the advocate, the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but for the whole sins of the world. And so, yes, dear Christian, there is forgiveness for you in your Christian walk, as there is for me. But it's for those who genuinely are striving for the holiness of God. And when they do sin, they look at it as the very thing that breaks God's heart. And so, blessed, happy are you when you mourn over your repentance because you will be comforted. Now look at verse 5, number 3, the third beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. If you see these as a progression, you'll see how they play one unto another. Blessed are those who are bankrupt in their spirit because they can receive the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are mourning over their sin because they will be comforted. And now blessed are the meek, the humble, the servants as they live it out because they will inherit the earth. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, and we just don't have time to turn to all of our references, so I'll just name them for you. But First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties and cares on him because he cares for you. Do you know that worry is a manifestation of pride? A lot of times we look at worry as being spiritual and not necessarily a sin against God. We think of it as just my struggle. No, do you know that worry is literally a sin against God because it is a pride in your heart when you say, God, you take, you give me back the wheel. I'm taking charge now. Let me drive my life. See, that's pride. Pride says, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to figure this out? And we all deal with it. We all deal with it. But it's up to you at that point when you start feeling that worry, when you're taking all your life into your hand, that you stop, put yourself under the mighty hand of God, cast all your cares upon him, and let him exalt you in due time. Hallelujah. He will lift the lowly up. And the Bible says that to the proud, though, he resists. You see, we look at the self-made men of our culture. We admire Donald Trump's and the people like them in sports and the Michael Jordans. But we don't understand self-made men without Christ are self-made messes. Because the more that Michael Jordan can say, look what I have done. The more that Donald Trump can say, look what I have done. The more that God puts his hand against him and says, you shall not inherit this earth. You shall not inherit this earth. Everything you have worked for, every notoriety, every fame you have achieved, every accolade that has been given to you will be burned up like dust in front of you and you will suffer forever in eternal fire. You shall not pass, as Gandalf said in Lord of the Rings. Are you listening? You shall not pass. And so for us today who may just be, you know, ordinary people and we think to ourselves, you know, I'm no Donald Trump, and I'm, I'm no Martha Stewart, and I just raise my kids, and I just go to work, and I'm no, uh, you know, Joel Osteen. I'm just a pastor today preaching. God says to all of us, you all can inherit the kingdom that's coming to this earth, and here's the secret. Be meek. And what is the truth about meekness? Is it weakness? No. The truth about meekness is submitting your will to God's will.
Not my will, but your will be done. See, Jesus incarnate in the flesh demonstrated to us what it looks like. He said to the Father, if there's another way of redemption, let me know and I'll do it. Let this cup pass from me there at the Garden of Gethsemane. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And you can go through all the commands of God that he gives you. And the reason why you and I truly down in our heart will obey and disobey will all be determined upon our meekness, our humility towards him. It all comes back down to that. Some people say, well, I'm addicted. I'm, I'm hooked on it. You can get addicted and hooked on Jesus. There ain't no high like the most high, baby. Give Jesus a try. I'm telling you, I mean, it, it, you, you say, well, my will, you know, my willpower, my willpower. Here it is. Your willpower will never accomplish it. It's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. And so you and I, in every decision we make, we either pass or fail based on our meekness. You, you find out your family's all messed up, and you, and you start blaming this and blaming that. You'll begin to find out you have not submitted to God and his plan for your family. You begin to find out that your finances, all of these things are messed up. What is going wrong? And I'm not saying that good thi- uh, bad things can't happen to good people, but I'm talking about when you have no peace, you feel the sense of uh, condemnation, confusion, your life is a wreck. These things all come back down to disobedience. And so when I find myself being prideful, taking the steering wheel from God, saying, I got it here, is when I begin to realize that my marriage is not right. When I say, I'll talk to my wife the way I want to talk to her. Because the Bible says to treat her as Christ does the church. And sometimes I don't think I need to talk to her that way. So I'm going to talk to her like a dude from Chicago. Come on, somebody. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to tell her what's going on, you know. Or from down south, too. I'll put a little Chicago at the south with That'd be crazy. And then God says, that's not the way I told you to talk to your wife. And then I see the response. When I humble myself and talk to my wife the way God told me to talk to my wife. When God told me how to obey him in my tithes and my offerings. When God taught you how to obey him in those things. It's all a matter of will you do it? And if you do it, the blessing is you inherit the earth. Those who are saying today, I don't want to do it, have God's hand against them. If you want to be blessed and inherit the earth, can I hear you say amen? Amen. Let's go to the next one. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I want you to turn to this one because this one is so special. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. How many times have you said to yourself, I am not good enough to do what God is asking me to do as a Christian? You don't have to raise your hand, but let's just be honest. Haven't we all felt that where God is saying, this is the righteousness I want you to do? And we come back with that same attitude, but I'm so poor. I'm so poor. And God's trying to tell you, you ain't poor no more. But you're like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. You know what this reminds me of? It's a, it's a problem in identity. What it reminds me of is how many remember Eddie Murphy in Coming to America? probably never thought you would hear about this in church, but for those of you in that generation, you can remember this. Eddie Murphy coming to America. Here's the story. Excuse me. Eddie Murphy is a prince of an African nation. They have him arranged to to marry a woman that he doesn't love. He, He says that the woman just wants to marry him because of the money. So then he comes to America to find a woman that will marry him, not because of money, but because of love. Everybody go, ah, it's a little romantical. And then he works at McDowell's, a little takeoff of McDonald's. So it's basically like he's working at McDonald's. Here's a prince wearing the McDonald's uniform, mopping the floors. And he has one of his assistants with him or 
Arsenio Hall that follows him. And Arsenio Hall keeps buying outlandish things, puts a, you know, a hot tub in his apartment, all this, because he wants to live like a prince. And, 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 and Eddie Murphy keeps saying, no, I don't want to be a prince. I want to be this guy at McDowell's to find true love. Long story short, he falls in love with the owner of the restaurant's daughter. They fall in love, but then the time comes when the father, the king, comes to find his son. And he finds his son dressed up like a pauper, dressed in the McDowell's uniform. And he says, what is wrong with you? Do you not know you're a king? And so many times I look at Christians living like a poor in the spirit, getting pimp slapped by the devil after they've been saved. And Jesus is looking at you saying, don't you know I called you to be more than a conqueror. I gave you the power that was greater in you than he that's in the world. I called you to be first and not to be last. I called you to be set apart, set out among them as a different type of a person, a peculiar person, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, and we look back at him with our McDowell uniforms saying, I just don't know any better. This is all that I know. And that's our excuse, but I want you to see. Here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him, Jesus, to be sin, or to, uh, made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What are you in God right now? His righteousness. So when we say we're poor in the spirit, is that before or after Christ? That's before Christ. Somebody say B.C. But once we've become in Christ, after Christ, A.C., we are now filled with the righteousness of God. Get hungry. It's time to get hungry. I'm not talking about getting some pizza and some elotes after church today from the elote. Man. I'm talking about get hungry for righteousness. Is your spiritual tummy right now wanting to receive more of what God has already given you? He has given you righteousness. Oh, some of y'all crazy right now. Y'all ain't believing. You, you think I'm crazy, but I think you're crazy. I'm going to give an example. Jonathan, come on up here. He's not crazy. Let's give it up for Jonathan as he comes. Jonathan and I are going to demonstrate this so simply right now. Jonathan just... We're just going to do a little, little, little skit right here, and I'm just going to ask you to hand me that phone when I ask for the phone, okay? So it's very simple. Jonathan, would you hand me the iPhone, please? Thank you. Jonathan, would you please hand me the iPhone? Jonathan, I really would like to have the iPhone. Jonathan, listen, man, I am begging you. Can I please have the iPhone? Let's give it up for Jonathan. Come on. He put a little, he put a little acting in it. God, I want your righteousness. God, I want your righteousness. I already gave you my righteousness in Christ Jesus. But God, I want it. You already have it. Get hungry for it. It's on the table. Eat it and go out and pee it. The, the, the illustration is you're supposed to eat it. He's already put out the table of righteousness. Well, I thought we're all sinners until you're born again a saint. Your nature has been changed. I'll read it again. God made him who had no sin, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us. So on the cross, Jesus became sin for us. He took your sins so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. 
eat the righteousness he put out before you and get hungry for it. You're not asking to get saved again, again, and again. You don't need to get born again, again, and again. You're asking God out of the salvation he's already given you to feed you from that, to feed you from the righteousness that he's placed within you by the Holy Spirit. The question isn't, is the Holy Spirit in you? The question is, are you living in the Spirit? I'm going to say that again. The question to the born-again believer isn't, is the Spirit in you? The Spirit's been given to you. The question is, are you living in the Spirit? Because Galatians chapter 5, after it lists out all the bad things you should not do, you shouldn't lust, you shouldn't commit murder, acts of violence and wrath and witchcraft, the Bible then continues on to, to the fruit of the Spirit. And then after the love, peace, joy, peace, uh, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, he then says, as many who have the Spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit so how do i live in the fruit of the spirit versus the deeds of my dirty flesh my old sinful nature how do i do that by the spirit of god by the spirit god's already given me he's already given you the spirit can i hear an amen if you don't have the spirit you're not saved but if you are saved you are a hundred percent saved are you listening to me? You are 100% saved, 100% righteousness. You're not a dirty cup trying to get clean. God has already cleaned your cup, and he's telling you keep it clean and keep drinking and keep getting some food out of that thing. Amen? The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So when you and I come to life's circumstances and we're saying, I don't know if I have enough righteousness to do this. I know what that felt like. I've been there trying to quit smoking, and it's a battle of my will against the smoking, and I'm trying to submit my will to God, and I just don't know if I can get free. But there was a time that I made a decision. I will trust in what Jesus did for me. 2,000 years ago that I just received two weeks ago that's still right here. I'll trust in you, Jesus. Greater is he that's in you that's in the world. And there was one day when I smoked my last cigarette and I've been free since. There's a day that you can be free from that sin. I believe that. Amen. The next one, verse 7, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Now how do we live with this righteousness of God? Do we live as peacocks out into the rest of the world? Look at me. I'm so righteous. You're so unholy. Look at you, Boricua Fest people. Is that who we're supposed to be like? Are we supposed to now walk out on this world and go, I've been forgiven and I'm going to heaven, but all oh, y'all, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Coworker, have I told you this yet today? You're going to hell. <laughs> Some Christians, once they get forgiven, they want to tell everybody else about how they can never be forgiven and they're all just going to hell. If you look at this as a progression, it's now saying blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And what is the greatest example that Jesus gives of that is in Matthew chapter 18. Math, uh, Jesus tells the story of somebody who's forgiven of a million dollar debt by their boss and then he finds a friend who only owes him one dollar and he takes his friend and he throws him in jail for the dollar. And then the boss who forgave him the million dollars comes back and says, how could you not forgive your friend one dollar debt when I forgave you a million dollar debt. 
He says, now take this dude and throw him in prison until he pays every penny. And then Jesus said, here's the moral of the story. If you can't forgive your friend who has sinned against you, don't you expect to forgive me of all your multitude of sins. But if you've been forgiven of all of these sins, you better go out there and start showing mercy to the people who've sinned against you. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Does anybody here want mercy from God? then show mercy giving forgiveness doesn't mean acceptance of behavior some of you have to forgive some very hideous disgusting things things that still need to be punished in our culture maybe you were abused by a father a mother a relative it's not saying you accept it and if you would come to me at a time that we could arrest them we would we would tell the police and I've done that here before so we're not saying it's okay but by God's standards Forgiveness must be given because in his court, in the court of heaven, your sin made you worthy of hellfire forever. And so if in his highest court he could forgive you of your sin, even here in the most hardest times of your life, you still must forgive. But let's be honest, other than those of you who have been severely hurt, and I know that's the most extreme example. Most of us just having a problem forgiving somebody that talked bad about us to another coworker. We having a problem forgiving the person who took our parking spot. We're having a, a problem having a time forgiving somebody that forgot our birthday or our husband or wife that talked to us. So I, I just be honest in here. Can I your name, man? It's not like everybody here is dealing with the Holocaust. I have a hard time forgiving Hitler. Some have to deal with that in crisis there, and it is a command. Yes, but most of us are simply dealing with offenses and minor conflicts we have in life. How much more so should we forgive people in those situations? It doesn't mean your cell phone provider is right. It just means you forgive them on that two-hour call after you have done, lost your mind. I know I'm telling on myself right now, but that is my biggest flaw in life. How come I'm getting, I don't even call them anymore because I get these $500 bills, travel overseas. I give it to the administrators now. I say, call them, and two hours later, we got it marked down. But, I mean, before I knew better, I used to lose my mind on those phone calls. But yet God would convict me. You don't have no, how many times I had to say in those calls, I'm sorry. Losing my temper with a person at the post office. Coming back saying, I'm sorry. There's an example of a pastor one time. He was going to the plane, you know. He's a pastor of a big church. And there was a, a stewardess helping him and all this. And he's getting mad and upset with her. And then somebody walks by and goes, Pastor, how are you doing? Well, everything's good. Sorry. He, you know, you could tell he felt like a jerk. And we as Christians should feel that way everywhere we go, that God is watching us. How are we treating others? Amen. The next one, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see, now as you're being given mercy and showing mercy, God has given you that mercy. And what are you beginning to do in life? You are purifying your heart. Now, this purification of your heart is speaking, in the Greek, it's cardia. It's speaking of your emotions. Because how many know the righteousness of God can be in your life, but your emotions can get crazy sometimes? I want to hear a big amen from the women right now. One, two, three. 
Amen. No, no tomatoes this way, but come on, my wife getting her hormones back on track. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. So glad that's over. So glad it's over. Because I'm telling you, like the last few weeks of her pregnancy, it was like, come here, massage my feet. You know? And then I would walk around and I would just be like teasing her. Don't tease me. I feel like a balloon. Why are you teasing me? You know? I would call her big belly and then that didn't go very well, you know? Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah. So... Not only women, but all of us, Italians, how about Puerto Ricans, you guys get emotional every now and then? Look at y'all denying it right now, getting all offensive, I'm crossing the line, don't go there. How many of you come from a culture where getting upset, getting red-faced, talking loud enough for the neighbors to hear you is just normal? That's just normal. <laughs> okay, that's normal for me, by the way. My, my friends would tell me, because my mom's Italian, they could hear my mom and I arguing down the street in a suburban neighborhood. And that's a far way down, you know? Now, those of us who feel that way, we need to keep our emotions in check. And for the rest of you that didn't raise your hands, you know what you are? You're little silent steamers. And you're the worst because you pretend like it's okay, but it really ain't okay. You're just steaming on the inside. And then I've seen some of you all pop, and it goes bad when it does. It goes worse than us because you've held it in so long. Hello, somebody. It's like gas. The harder you try to hold it in, the worse it is when it comes out. Are you all listening to me? Steaming with your, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. All of us have emotions, and those emotions are connected to our heart. That's why when we tell people we love them, we love you with all of our heart. When the Bible says love God with all of your heart, what he's talking about, cardia, is your emotions. And it says blessed are the pure in their heart. Blessed are those who are cleansed in their emotions. And what does that mean? When emotions come, you filter them. You see, you have to filter your emotions. This water is pure because it's been filtered. And the filter of your emotions is the word of God. So before you feel like losing your temper, you need to filter that anger through the Word of God. Before you say what you say, you need to filter it through the Word of God so we can come out pure. Can I hear an amen? The Bible says in Psalms 24, verse 4, Blessed are the pure in heart. Those that have clean hands, a pure heart, lift not their souls unto idol or swear by what is false. They shall receive blessing from the Lord their God, vindication from him. And this is the cry they say back to them. This is the God of the father Jacob, of our father Jacob. He will be with them. And so the promise in the book of Psalms is that God is with his people who have clean hands, pure heart, lift not their soul to idols, nor swear by what is deceitful. And he wants you to filter your emotions through the word of God. And if you do, you will see God. Now, will we see God face to face in heaven? Yes, we will. But how will we see God today in our pure heart? When you act right, you're showing people God. When you begin to bless them and love your enemies, when you begin to control those emotions, you are showing them the very face of God. As a matter of fact, the story goes with Jacob meeting his brother Esau. After Jacob has skeezed and taken away his inheritance from Esau, he met Esau, but before he did, he wrestled with God in the night. And the Bible says that Jacob said, I won't let go of you until you, until you tell me who you are. I need to know you. I need you to bless me. And then, and then, the, the angel struck him on the hip and changed his name from Jacob, which means skeezer and, and schemer, to Israel, which means prince of God. 
And then that next day, here comes Israel, who used to be Jacob. Here comes this changed man with the limp. That's another story. How can you know somebody's really met God? Because they don't walk like they used to. They walk with that humility. And now he comes limping to meet his brother Esau. And when he meets his brother Esau, who in himself is a wicked man, Esau didn't deserve to have the birthright. We find out later that God ends up hating the descendants of Esau, the Edomites. But yet, Jacob, after he wrestled with God, He says, Esau, you remind me of God. I see the face of God in you. And why did Jacob now see the face of God in his brother Esau? Because Esau was coming to bring peace. We are made in the image of God. Did you know that? Everybody, even Marilyn Manson, even those who are not born again, are made in the image of God. And how much more should us who are born again represent that image, that emotion, that character to the people around us so that when they see your living, your heart, your passion, your likes and dislikes, your respect for them, they can see God in you. Can I hear amen? You will see God. And of course, when we go to heaven, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. Peacemakers are those who make peace. I think they used to call the Colt 45 the peacemaker. Some of y'all didn't get that. But we're not talking about making peace with warfare. We're talking about making peace in life. Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 20 now says how you can make peace with problems that you have in life. First, with people you have problems with, first you go to them privately and you say, hey, I think we've got a little problem here. Uh, you know, you were talking about my mama and I didn't really appreciate that. And, and can, we just, can we deal with this? Okay, the Bible says you go to them at the first, the first time, okay? Or, or you know, uh, I go to your life group every week and, and you always have it so cold and I think you're offending me because I like it a little bit warmer. Okay, and so whatever little offense we have have in life, we go to the person and we say, this is my offense. And the Bible says, if at that time personally they make up, and, and you know, one of you says you're sorry, you both say you're sorry, most of the time it's a misunderstanding. How many of you have gone to email fights, and then when you talk to each other, it was all a misunderstanding? That's how most of the things are in life. They're just on misunderstanding. That's why an email happens so much more frequently, because when we talk, we don't recognize our words. When we email, we get to see our words, and many times we, we don't mean what we're actually saying, and that's why those miscommunications happen through email so much is because we don't know how to watch our words. That's another discussion. But when you have a problem, meet with them individually. Let's say they don't listen. The Bible then says, Matthew 18, to bring somebody along with you that's respectable to say, hey, am I seeing this wrong? Is this person wrong? And so you do it with their permission. You say, hey, you know what? We're not getting along here in this life group. Can I bring in the life group leader? Let's get their opinion on this. And then the Bible says, if there's still a problem after that, you come to the church and you tell it to the church. And there we believe are the elders and deacons. And if you don't listen there, we put you out of the church and we say we don't want troublemakers here. Can I hear an amen? We will kick your fanny out of church. Kick my fanny out of church. We don't want troublemakers. Amen? And that's the three-step process. That's literally what it says. Go to them individually. If they don't listen, bring somebody else. And then if they don't listen, tell it to the church. And if not, then put them out of the church. Now, you look to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and it talks about this happening not just with moral issues and things in the church. They actually made their courts inside the church so that they wouldn't have to go to the Romans. And do you know that even to this day, pastors like myself are used in disputes among Christians, even in business? I'm involved right now in a lawsuit between two Christian businesses and I'm helping them not take it to court so that they can do mediation. 
Mediation is a part of the Christian's life. Even if you're on your job, try to apply the Christian principles with the like-minded people on the job. Go to somebody by themselves. Then if they don't understand, bring a coworker. Then if the coworker doesn't see the issue, bring it to the manager. And if the manager doesn't see it, you have to make a job to either stay or go from that job. Uh, make a decision about that job. Amen? And then lastly, blessed are the persecuted, for they will receive heaven. Blessed are those when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Why does he put this after peacemakers? Because there's some people you cannot make peace with. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 12 through 15. I'll read it to you. This is what it says. Here on this earth, we will suffer all of us persecution at one time or another. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Every one of us will be persecuted. And what are we supposed to do at that time? Look at verse 12 and get ready for God to flip your world upside down. When you're getting persecuted, when you've tried to make peace, you've walked meek, meek and humble and they don't listen. Verse 12, what are you supposed to do? One, two, three, rejoice and be. How many think that comes easy? <laughs> That's why we need Jesus, amen? It's time to get hungry for righteousness when you get persecuted and they don't respect you. You need some help right there at that moment. Eat your righteousness, amen? He put a table before you of righteousness. Take it down and let God use you in a world that doesn't love you. Many times the world will not love you. But blessed are you when you suffer for doing what's right. As you stand up, can we give the Lord a hand clap today for being blessed, amen? For him blessing you, Ben, would you come? You know, spring weather in Chicago is so deceiving. It feels like we're having a night service tonight, you know. It's like, oh, my goodness, where's the sun? thought I was going out fishing today. How many are blessed? Can I hear an amen? Can I summarize this for you walking through this? I'm going to put it into a personal way so you can receive this. Blessed are you when you recognize you're spiritually bankrupt because God will give you the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you mourn over your sin because you will truly be comforted. Happy are you when you live a meek life submitting to God's commands because you will inherit the earth. Happy are you when you hunger and thirst for the righteousness already given in Christ Jesus because you will always be filled. Blessed are you when you're kind and forgiving and merciful because God will be kind, forgiving, and merciful to you. Blessed are you when you filter your emotions and choose the godly ones because you and those around you will see the face of God. And happy, rejoicing are you when you make peace with those who don't like you, you will be called a son of God when you make that peace. And lastly, rejoice. Be happy. When you are persecuted after doing all of these things, and this world still does not like you because you belong in heaven, not down here. 
And your, and your disciples that came before you, the prophets who taught you, they treated them the same way. You're not alone. I hope you receive that conclusion today. Let's pray. Father God, speak those words to our heart. Altar workers, would you come, please? Just right now before we dismiss, would you just think of what you've heard today and see how it would apply to your life? Maybe there's a lesson in every one of those Beatitudes for you, or maybe there's one specific one. Would you just seek the Lord right now? Let him speak to you. We'll dismiss in just a moment, but I want to give time for heart application. Oh, God, open my heart to see what you're speaking to us and what you're speaking to me. Start with me, oh God. We'll dismiss after I pray, but before I do, I want you to hear my heart just in an attitude of prayer. If you are just in a place where you know you need to get born again, you came here today and you realize that what you've been doing is maybe religious, but it's not been relationship. You've been reading God's Word but not obeying it. We want to encourage you to come to these altar workers to be born again, to admit your spiritual bankrupt. Also, for those here today, if you say, Pastor, I'm not where I should be with God. I feel like I've been walking pridefully, taking my life into my own hands. Sometimes I think I'm okay, middle class, in the spirit. And the Lord is just reminding me, I need to get some junk out. We invite you to come as well. And then lastly, before I pray, if you are here today and you know you're a disciple, you're going after God, but there was just some conviction in this message and you want a brother or sister to agree with you in prayer for the blessed, happy life of God, don't leave out of here until we pray for you. And it doesn't matter if you don't have any of those needs. If you have a need, we'll pray for you today. So let's get ready to dismiss. We'll worship and pray and those who have to go can. And we'll just close out now. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful service, for a time to hear about your blessings, to be empowered to prosper, to be happy on the inside and out. I pray as we dismiss today that everyone walks out of here living the life you've called them to live, being blessed, O oh Lord, in their heart, in their life, in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen and just bless him one more time? Come on, can I hear a thank you, Jesus? Amen. We're going to worship and pray. If you have to go, you're dismissed. We'll see you at Life Groups. God bless you. Come pray, those that have that on their heart. Hallelujah.
If you need prayer, just come. God is here. Thank you, Lord. Release the fullness of your spirit. Shekinah glory come. Shekinah glory come. Release the fullness of your spirit. Shekinah glory come. Shekinah release, release the fullness. Glory come, release the fullness of your spirit. We should kind of glory come, we should kind of sing we want. You move, we want more. You speak, we want more. You move, we want more. We want the fullness. You move, you move. Oh, yeah. 